so important that we realize who God is and where he is and uh, how that impacts our lives. I think a lot of times we, we take a, the idea of God and sometimes we just kind of have it as a figment of our imagination who we think God might be rather than truly understanding him. We kind of create our own God in our minds. Uh, somebody says the word God and, and immediately things come up of how we might understand him or what we might think he is like. And so I want to talk a little bit about God for about the next six weeks. I want to just take some names and some compound names for God that we find in the Old Testament and talk about who is God. Because if you don't know who God is when you pray, you probably won't have a lot of faith that he's going to hear you or that he can even meet the needs that you have. And so when we talk about a name, a name is so important. Uh, the uh, word God really isn't a name. It's a designation more than a name. But uh, you think of names. When, when you think of something, they, they define for us a person, a place, or a thing. Uh, there are those nouns that do that, and they give specifics. For instance, uh, I went over and I picked these beautiful flowers next door this morning. And, and immediately all of you would probably say, yeah, those, those are beautiful. Wow, those are made. They're in our, by our house out here, and they're just starting to come into bloom. And these are gorgeous roses, aren't they? What is all this grumbling out here? You, some, you know, about now you're saying, well, Andy, you knew what a flower was. You got that name, but you don't know what those are. And I show my ignorance. But uh, I, I took a person with me and I said, look, aren't they beautiful roses? And he said, yes. <laughs> right, David? <laughs> we won't go into that. I, I didn't mean to mention David's name. But, you know, they, they would be beautiful roses if that's what they are. But these are camellias. See, I did know I am not that ignorant when it comes to flowers. But names define, don't they? Uh, names define what something is. Dem names define who someone is. In fact, I didn't really have many roses over there right now, but I did find this one little rosebud. And uh, that is a rose, just so you'll know uh, that I had that down. But they define when we, when we say a person's name, for instance. I, I can say individuals' names, and immediately something may come to mind. Uh, if I said Tom Hanks, how many of you would have something come to mind immediately? You see his face. Yeah, yeah, you see his face. You, you know that he is an actor. You know that he came from maybe Concord. Uh, you have these different ideas of who he is. Now, how many of you know who Mr. Rogers is? Well, more know him than Tom Hanks. This is cool. I, I like that. Uh, Tom Hanks is going to play Mr. Rogers. I think Mr. Rogers and Tom Hanks may be worlds apart in terms of where they are, but or were, because Mr. Rogers is at home with the Lord. How many of you knew that Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister? Yeah, before he went into show business, he was a pastor. And uh, so then he began to, he saw a real need for children and families and uh, began the ministry that he has. Uh, what is the famous phrase of his song? Anybody give me that? Won't you be my neighbor? See, you got it. But, but you hear that name, Mr. Rogers, and immediately all of these things come to mind because you pick up a name. Now, I can say to somebody uh, that, that attends church here, I said, uh, well, you know, and I give them a name, and they said, oh, who is that? I don't know that person. 
I said, well, they attend church. They're regular here. Well, I don't. But I'm sure if I saw them, I'd know them. No, you wouldn't. You would recognize their face. But you probably don't know very much about that person. And so a name, as we get to know the individual, has more of an impact. As we know who God is, somebody mentions the name. And immediately, hopefully, or the designation, you'll begin to get an idea of who he is. So we want to talk about that this morning. We want to talk about that the next six weeks. There's probably three or four different names or designations and then compounds that come from that. Um, But it's important. I I, I read this little story, and uh, please no one be offended by me this morning. Okay. Uh, you know, speaking of God, there were three individuals that had died, and they were in America, and they all went to heaven. And you know the old traditional St. Peter's at the gate. I don't know that St. Peter's going to be at any gate. Uh, I, I think that's kind of something somebody made up. So don't worry, I'm not that far off theologically. But let's just use it for illustration this morning. And St. Peter's at the gate, and a man comes up. He died. He was from California. He was an architect. And St. Peter meets him at the gate, and he says, Oh, you have done such a great job. You've built such beautiful buildings, and you served humanity so well. But in order to get in, you've got to pass one little test. The man said, Okay, what is it? He says, I need you to spell God. The architect immediately said, Well, that's easy, G-O-D. And Peter said, That's right. You can go ahead and pass on in. And he went in. Second man came along, and he was from Texas. He was a rancher, and St. Peter said, you have done such a a great job of providing food for humanity with your ranch and your cattle and everything that you've done. Your cattle, your beef has been shipped all over the country, and and you have served humanity well. But in order to get in, you've got to pass one little test. And the man said, okay, what is it? And he said, you need to spell God. G-O-D. Peter said, wow, that's right. You're great. You can go on in. Third person was a very attractive businesswoman from New York. And she came to the gate. And, uh, you know, Peter said, you have served the world of commerce so well. You have served humanity so well. But you need to pass one little test to get in. At this, the woman exploded. I mean, she just went off the wall. She couldn't believe it. She said, oh, come on, saint. You know, I've had to fight for every position I've gotten. I've had to, I've taken lower pay than my male counterparts. I've been continually been harassed by bosses for one reason only, and, and that's gender. And now you say to get in here, I've got to take a test. What is it? Peter was quiet for a moment, and he looked at her, and he said, Well, you need to spell Czechoslovakia. <laughs> no offense, please. I didn't mean anything bad. I just want you to think about the name of God this morning. What does it mean, the, the, the name of God? Uh, how does it impact your life? When you, uh, when you think of God, what do you think of? What do you see in your mind's eye? Uh, we're just going to break the surface. I, I'm not really going to give you a lot that's very deep this morning. Um, but I want you to begin to think about it. When I, when I think of God, oftentimes I'll think of deity. Uh, It it can be a word that is used for deity in general, for people that have false gods and other gods. But uh, for for Christians, there is a certain understanding when we think of that name for God. And the question is, can we trust him? 
when I pray to God, do I believe that he truly is going to hear and answer my prayer? That all goes back to what I understand about God and who he is and, and um, what I've learned. It, it, learning about God is not simply from what a lot of people tell me. We have to go back here and we have to understand what the Bible says. You know, there are, are three, four different words in the Hebrew language that we derive the word words for God. They aren't all translated God, but, but Elohim or El is the primary term. If you go to the Greek, you're going to find that that same uh, word would be Theos. But when we think of Elohim, you know, probably you, uh, most of you haven't done a lot of study in terms of that, but God, as it's translated from El or Elohim, is, is mentioned 23, over 2,300 times in the Old Testament. And, and so if it's that important, if it's mentioned that often, then we certainly should go back and think about what does it say? What does it mean? A lot of people today use the term God as kind of a punctuation mark or an exclamation point, you know? Oh, God. Or, oh, my God. And you know, when we use God's name like that, it, it shows a disrespect for who he is. Some people have even reduced it down to OMG. Sounds like a spice or something. I, I don't know. But the Hebrews were so respectful of God. We're going to get into his, his personal name next week, not just his designation. We're going to get into the name Yahweh. But they wouldn't even pronounce it. Even today, I had a friend that went over and he was touring through Israel and they came to, uh, they had a tour guide and the tour guide wouldn't use the name for God. It was, it was that he respected him that much that he wouldn't do that. And so as we look at Elohim or, or El, I believe that Elohim comes from El, although some people say it comes from another one, and the root meaning there is simply strong. He's a strong God. He's a powerful God. He is all-powerful. Uh, others would say maybe it comes from a term for to fear, and certainly we should fear God, and we should reverence him, and we should praise him. But uh, I, I would tend to think it comes from that whole idea of strong. I, I looked up one of our songs, and you know, it, it's amazing as we sing our songs how often they will teach us things, our praise songs, hymns, different ones. But there's one that we sing or have sung in the past. It says, strong God, father of the fatherless, defender of the weak, freedom for the prisoner we sing. This is God in his holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. Sing out, lift your voice, cry out. Awesome is our strong God. That's almost a repetition there. If Elohim, which is the God here, would be Strong, it, it would be this awesome is our strong, strong, mighty is our God. You're with us in the wilderness, faithful to provide. Every breath and every step we see, sing out, lift your voice, cry out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Sing out praises, sing out, raise your hands and shout out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. And so we get the idea that as we come to this word God and Elohim, it's talking about a powerful God. Theologians talk about the omnipotence of God. Omni, all, potent, powerful. God is all powerful. There is nothing 
that God cannot do. There is nothing that God cannot accomplish. And so I simply put down, he is the mighty God. I want to look up Genesis, Genesis chapter 17. And you may want to just write this down because it, it talks about who he is. He was, he was talking to Abraham. Genesis 17, the first five verses, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, and, the, and Lord there, we're going to look at next week. It comes from the verb to be, uh, I am, he is. When the Lord appeared to Abraham, he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, Abraham, and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly, Abraham. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of of a multitude of nations. He is the mighty God. He is the strong God. He is the creator God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1, it begins with this statement. It says, in the beginning, and there it is, God created the heavens and the earth. It's interesting that they don't prove the existence of God. Sure would have made it a lot easier for us when we're trying to defend whether he exists or not, wouldn't it? they just proven that God was real. But when the author wrote it, he wrote it with the idea that, yes, we know that he's real. He's the strong God. He is the creator of the universe. In fact, it goes on. It says he spoke in those six days, and everything came into existence has come into existence. God spoke. That's power. That's authority. And so when we come and we pray to this God, we realize who he is. He he is the creator of heaven and earth back in, in the book of, of Jonah. And, and in Jonah, they were questioning about who his God was. They had this huge storm, and Jonah had been thrown out into the sea, and, or he was out on this boat, and he was running from God, actually. And in the ninth verse, they, those who were on the boat questioned him, and he said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord Yahweh God Elohim of heaven. He's the God of heaven. He made the sea, and he made the dry land. In Isaiah 54, 5, it says he's the God of all the earth. He is sovereign over all the earth. And in Psalms 58, 11, it says he judges the earth. And we're reminded of his judge, his judgment, his justice, and that we're accountable to him. So when I think of this God, he is an everlasting, living God, a holy God. He's a powerful God. We look at the different aspects of who he is. The Bible teaches us that he's just, he's merciful, he's loving, he's holy. But I want you to think of his power this morning. Because we do not worship a God without strength. We worship a God that can meet every need that we have. What I read about the fact that God is omniscient, says that God knows everything. He knows it fully. He knew what was going to happen yesterday. He knows what you're going through today. Do you know, want to know something? He already knows who's going to win the game today. But he knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. He knows your joys. 
He knows your sorrows. And this God, it says, loves you and has the power to meet the needs for your life and what you're going through. It's so important that we understand who he is, that we go back periodically and we just look at who he is, that name, that he is the strong God, that he is the awesome God. If you look at Elohim, it's also something else special about it. It's in in what we call the plural of majesty. In other words, it's not singular, it's plural. And yet when there's a pronoun with it, that's singular. And so it's speaking of one God, but it's the plural of fullness. God is complete. He can't become less. He can't become more than he already is. Back in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, we get a a little bit of a picture of this in the 32nd chapter and in the 3rd and 4th verses. It says, I proclaim the name of the Lord. We're going to talk about that. You're going to see that Lord oftentimes in the Old Testament, is spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's his personal name, and we'll get into that next week. It says, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, Elohim. He's the rock. His work is perfect. It is complete, for all his ways are just. God is God of faithfulness and without injustice. He's just, he's righteous, he's upright. What I want you to realize is that everything about God is complete. You can't add to him, you can't take away from him. He isn't going to get stronger and he's not going to get weaker. I have found in the physical body, the human body, as we reach a certain point, we reach a certain amount of strength. But as we get a little older, we begin to lose some of that. God never loses it. He's always strong. God doesn't gain wisdom. There was a theological statement out a few years ago. Um, it, it was the idea of progressive theology, and they believed that as time went on, God would learn a little more and a little more based on everything that was happening. Guess what? God already knows it all. He knows you completely. He knows me completely because everything about God is complete. There isn't anything you can add to him. It is the plurality of fullness. And he's self-reliant. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He exists in his own being. He is eternal. And yet he loves us and cares about us. There's a second term, and I want to look at it just quickly before we go to the communion service. We're kind of moving quickly through this. But it's, it's the word Adonai, and it's spelled L-O-R-D, capital L. And when you look into the Old Testament, you're going to see Lord and lowercase o-r-d. It's spelled two different ways. One has to do with Adonai. That's what we're looking about here. And it also is plural, just like um, Elohim was. But Adonai is our Lord. He is our master. It can be used for humans, too. You know, you know people that you would call them Lord. Sarah called her husband Abraham Lord. Uh, he is one in who has authority. He has power. But he's Lord. He is sovereign over all things. Genesis chapter 15 again. In Genesis 15, he's talking again to Abraham. Genesis 15, 1 and 2, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord, that's the one we're going to look at next week, his, his personal name, came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield for you. Abraham, I'm your protector. 
Oh, I'm going to reward you. Your reward will be very great. I can give you what I promise. Abraham said, Oh, Lord God. Oh, Master is what he's really saying. That's that term that we're looking at today. It's, it's the Adonai. Oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer the, of Damascus. He's just my servant. I don't even have a kid, Lord. How can you give me anything that's special? Down in verses 5 through 8. He took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens. Count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And then he believed in the Lord. And he reckoned to him as righteousness. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess it. And he said, and here he uses the Lord we're talking about now, O Lord God, how may I know I will possess it? And so he said to him, bring me three, a year old, a, a, three, a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. We won't go into that because it was a covenant that God threw up with Abraham. But it basically said, Abraham, I'm powerful God. I can meet your needs. And I'm your Lord and I'm your master. And he says, what he's really saying here is I'm sovereign. There's nothing in all the world that I don't control. And I want us to realize that this morning. We look sometimes at the political situation in America and we go, oh, man, it's hopeless. We, we look at the ethics of America and we go, how can it be like this? We look at the world as it stands today. And we need to understand as we think of Lord God, that we have a God who is powerful. There is nothing outside of his control. That we have a God who is sovereign. He is in control of all things. The next week, we're going to begin to get more into that personal aspect of him. But I believe it's so important when we come and we pray that we understand who he is. We create gods in our mind too often who are based on our humanity. They're based on how we see things rather than what God says about himself in Scripture. And so you go back, and though most of you probably aren't going to study the, the Hebrew names for God, you need to understand that this God is a God of power. This God is a God of strength. He is the strong God. There's nothing he can't do. And this is a God of love. And this is a God of compassion. And he hears us when we call. And we'll get into that a little more next week in response to our needs. And he loves us. And so I hope as, as you go away today, we've just touched on the service. We've just thought about it. But think of the name of God. Think of who he is. Think of his power. Think of his might. Think of the fact that he is all-knowing. Think of the fact that there isn't any place you can go where he isn't there with you. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be there. And I have the power to be there. And I have the power to meet your needs. We're going to get a lot more into it. We just barely touched it this morning. But it's, it's kind of the beginning as we get into this study on who God is. And we'll talk about the fact that he's, he's our banner, that he's our protector, uh, that he's our shield. We're going to talk about some of those kinds of things and how God is there and how we can see that through some of the names and the compound names of, of God. So let's pray, shall we? Father, uh, boy, we've just hit on a, 
a topic that is so immense today. I, I just feel so much like we just really haven't gotten into it. I'm just kind of overwhelmed as I begin to think about who you are, who your son Jesus Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, because when we look at that whole idea of, of the plural God, we know that there is also the aspect of the triune God, that it left room for the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament when it was given as a, the plurality. And so as we come and we take part in the communion service this morning, we think back again to the fact that not only is the Father God, but so is the Son. And it was the Son who came to earth, who walked among men, took on humanity and went to the cross and gave his life to become our sacrifice, Father. That's so amazing to me. Just to realize that you gave your son, he became the sacrifice for us. And we give you thanks for that, Father. I pray as we do this study on God, and I know that it's, it, it's probably a little confusing as we think of the idea of Elohim, and we think of the idea of El, El Shaddai, El Elyon. These words we didn't even look at this morning. But, Father, it's so important that we get an idea of what it's talking about because it gives us a, a better understanding of who you are. It, it's not like just looking at somebody and saying, I recognize them, but rather, Father, we want to be those individuals who look at the term God and go, oh, yes, I know him. And he knows me, and he loves me. And he meets my needs, and he cares for me. And yes, I need to live in such a way that he's honored and he's glorified by my life. Help us to get a truer picture, Father, of who you are. Thank you. Thank you for the time we have today just to reflect on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for us. Pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.